If you have your Bibles, if you take them out, turn to Titus chapter 2, verses uh, 11 through 14. Uh, if you don't have the bulletin with the outline, please pick it up right at the center doors at the worship counter there, the ministry counter. Christmas is a time of surprises, right? Some of you probably opened up your gifts this morning and you were surprised about that, what you received, or maybe you surprised what you didn't receive, right? It could be the other way, but Christmas is a time of surprises. There was a lady who was preparing her Christmas cookies, and she was all busy doing that, and suddenly there was a knock at the door, and she goes to the door, and there was a man there, and the man asked her, said, lady, I I'm looking for some work. Do you have any odd jobs I can do around the house? And she looked at the man, and she was, you know, wondering, should I help him? But it was Christmas time. So she said, yes, uh, uh, can you paint? And he says, yes, I'm a rather good painter. She goes, well, there's two gallons of white paint out back. You can go ahead and paint the porch. The porch. And, and so she goes on to doing her cookies and getting her cookies all ready and, and stuff. And she forgets all about the man's even out there. And later on, she, there's a knock at the door, and she goes, and she sees the obviousness of the man who was painting because he has paint all over himself. And she looks at the man and says, uh, did you finish the job? And he goes, yes, I finished the job. He says, did you do a good job? And she, he said, yes, I did a good job. She goes, lady, there's one thing I need to point out to you. That's not a Porsche out back. That's a Mercedes. Nobody, it's, Christmas is full of surprises. You can laugh, you can laugh. It's, even though it's church, Christmas is full of surprises. You've probably heard the old saying, there are three, somebody just got it. There are three types of people. People who make things happen, people who watch things happen, and people who have no earthly idea what is happening, right? The same way with Christmas. Christmas is the same way. There are many people who are really trying to make Christmas happen this year. They go out and buy the presents. They decorate. They go all to all, to all the activities there. They're just trying to make Christmas a reality for themselves. Then there's other people who are watching Christmas as it happens all around them. They see the decorations and the beauty of the decorations. They are the sounds and the songs of Christmas. And they're trying to take in as that much as that Christmas spirit as they absolutely can. Just taking it all in. Then there's others who go through all the activities and they have no earthly idea what is going on because they've missed the, the spiritual or heavenly dimension of Christmas. They have no idea what's going on. So you see, sometimes we get so wrapped up and consumed by Christmas, the events— and so much can happen there. Preparation and busyness and buying the, the presents and all those kind of things. Visiting family and loved ones and all those things. And all those things are good. Don't get me wrong. All those things are good. Buying the presents and visiting with family and opening up presents and all those. And those are all good. But Christmas is about Jesus. Amen? It's about Jesus. And sometimes we're celebrating, but we don't pay any attention to him. We lose sight of him. We lose sight of what it's really about. Christmas is probably the happiest day of the year. Would you agree? It's happy. It doesn't matter what age you are. It's just a joyous time. Me, I, I love Christmas. My favorite time in the season, just love the joy that it brings. I, I like to go out and just watch people shop. I just like that this time of year. It's a special day. It's a day that brings joy and laughter and decorations and presents. We love presents. We love to receive presents too, don't we? And those presents come from those who love us and care about us, right? But not only are there presents, but that special meal that we have and visiting friends and families. And those are all the things about Christmas that remember, those good things, right? But for the believer in Jesus, Christmas means a whole lot more than presents and decorations. Christmas is a great day of joy and victory and deliverance for the believer in Jesus Christ. It's a great day of hope, amen? It's Christmas. It's a joyous celebration of eternity's intersection with time. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, For when the time had fully come, God sent his Son, 
vulnerable woman. And this morning, we want to continue in our study, uh, going through Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, God's presence in Christmas. If you turn your Bibles there, uh, we're going to be focused on, each week we focused on one verse. Today, we're at the last verse on verse 14. We're going to focus on that. We're going to do what we've done in each one of these messages in this series. We've read the whole passage there. It's only a few verses, four verses, 11 through 14 in Titus chapter 2. So let's read those together. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. This is a great Christmas passage of Scripture, even though it doesn't have anything about angels and the shepherds. It doesn't have anything about Mary or Joseph or their long journey to the little town of Bethlehem. Doesn't have any mention about the little baby that's born in the manger, wrapped in swaddling cloths, and they place that manger. Doesn't mention anything about that. Doesn't mention anything about the wise men who came to bearing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Doesn't have anything to mention about the wrath of Herod that was going on at that time. Doesn't mention anything about the flight into Egypt or the return back to Nazareth. But none of that is mentioned in this passage of Scripture. But I think that Paul, this one little sentence, captures the essence of Christmas when he says in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. God's grace has appeared, amen? And the grace of God is Jesus. Jesus has appeared. And that's the Christmas message, that Jesus came into this world to bring salvation to all people. That's the Christmas message for you and I, that he came into the world to save us, to redeem us, to bring salvation to us, for us. That's why he came. That's the reason he came. And our verse we want to focus on is verse 14, so I want to read that again. It says, Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. The purpose of Christ coming into the world is, number one, to give himself for our redemption. To give himself for our redemption. Jesus came into this world to die for our sins, the Bible says. And Jesus' act of sacrifice is summed up in the word, gave himself. It's really important. Gave himself. It indicates that he gave himself voluntarily. No one forced him to come. He came on his own volition. It was an act of love for us. Gave himself for us indicates the substitutionary nature of his act of giving. For us indicates on our behalf that Christ died in our place. He was our substitute on that cross, right? He came for us. He gave himself for us. It, it was totally effective and comprehensive. It was totally complete is what the Bible says. For we were redeemed from all wickedness and from all sin. Think about that. That Christ's redemption is totally complete. Redeeming us from all wickedness and all of our sin. Not some, all of our sin, past, present, and future. But not only all of ours, but everyone's sin, he died. That was the payment he paid for everyone. It says he gave himself for our redemption. The word redemption refers to the releasing of someone held captive, such as a prisoner or a slave, on receipt of a ransom payment. So Jesus purchased our release from sin with a ransom. It was with his life that Jesus paid the ultimate price for us. He removed our bondage, bondage of sin that held us captive to all wickedness. That Jesus paid the price for us. That was the main purpose of Jesus coming to this earth, to redeem us. 
to die on the cross for our sins. Amen? The Bible says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, it says this. Jesus gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. And Paul speaks here first negatively in, in Titus 2.14, focusing on redeeming us from all wickedness, redeeming us from all that fleshly lust, all those fleshly desires. Peter talks about that in 1 Peter 2.11, to abstain from sinful desires which war against our soul. So the first purpose of Jesus coming into the world was to give himself for our redemption. That was his primary means, to redeem us, to buy us back, to pay for our sins, so we might have a relationship with God the Father, right? The second purpose of Christ coming in the world, and I love this one, to make us his own. To make us his own. Paul then secondly, he speaks positively here, and Christ also redeems his people. He says, in order to purify for himself a people that are his very own possession. So that does, may not sound good to you, but that's wonderful. That through his redemption, he would set apart a group of people who are holy, who were made holy through his redemption, right? Who were made holy through Christ's redemption, who are his, his very own people is what he wanted. Like, I, I like that, that we belong to Jesus. I don't know if you like that. Sometimes people say, I don't want to belong to anybody. But when it comes to Jesus, I'm all right with belonging to him, right? I want to belong to Jesus. How about you? We want to belong to him. That language, his very own people, has important Old Testament uh, importance to it, background. Exodus chapter 19, verse 5 God referred to the Hebrews. He said, you will be my treasured possession. The basis of the covenant was God choosing a people that he would kind of purify them and then set them aside for special use, is what the Bible says. He clarifies that and reaffirms that in a special relationship in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 23, where he says, they will be my people, and I will be their God. And Peter refers to the church like this. In 1 Peter 3, 18, he says, for Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. So Jesus accomplished the work required to purify for himself for those we died to save. He accomplished it all, and only Jesus could do that. That he died on the cross to bring you to God. So you could be part of his family. That's what Jesus wanted. So you could be part of his family. Not just out there, but he says, I want you to be part of my family. That you belong to me. And Jesus said in John chapter 6, this is what he said in verse 37. All that the Father gives me, talks about the people, will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Verse 39 and 40 says, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those that he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. This belonging to Jesus is forever. He's talking about eternity, about eternity with, uh, with him. If salvation was temporary and subject to being lost, then by definition, it could not guarantee eternal life, right? You couldn't call it eternal life if you could lose it, right? But our salvation is forever and ever. It can never be taken away. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 28 and 29, he says, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. He says, no one can snatch them out of my hand. So Jesus says, all those who come to me, all those who are saved, all those who put their faith and trust in Jesus, he says, you're in the palm of my hand, and no one can snatch you out of my hand. But then he goes on. He doesn't stop there. Verse 29, my Father, who has given them to me, he says, is greater than all, 
and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. So the picture that we have here, we're in the palm of Jesus. Now God the Father places his hand over us, so we have this double security. He goes, once you're in Christ, once you believe in Jesus, it can never be taken away. Because no one is greater than the Father and the Son, right? And he says, you are secure, you are in Christ. So once you accept Jesus, you belong to him. And it's forever, it's forever. And no one can take you from him. Not Satan, not you, not your sin, not death, your death, nothing. Go on and read Romans chapter 8, verse uh, 37 through 39. We don't have the time to get in there. But Paul talks about that nothing can separate us from the love of God, or nothing can separate us from this salvation that's found in Jesus. The same thing he's talking about there. And if you know Jesus, you belong to him, right? You belong to him. You're his own possession. Think about that. It means everything that I have, everything that I own, everything about me now belongs to Jesus if I know him. So my family, my spouse, my children, my parents, right? My house, my job, my car, everything that we have now belongs to Jesus, right? Well, think about it this. It also means all my problems belong to Jesus. All my debt belongs to Jesus. My health, that belongs to Jesus. My loneliness, that belongs to Jesus. Even though we're never alone, if you know Jesus Christ, your Savior, you are never alone, right? Jesus is always with us, so we're never alone. But all those things belong to Jesus, is what the Bible says. Everything that we have belongs to him. So Jesus died, he came to this world to make us his own, so we might belong to him. The third purpose of Christ coming in the world is to do good works, that Jesus did good works. And if you know Jesus as your Savior, this means we should be living according to to God's will. And that would include good works that we would do. Ephesians 2.10, I love this passage, where it says we are God's workmanship. What it means is we are God's masterpiece. We are a work in progress. God is not finished with any of us. We're a work in progress. And it goes in, we are God's workmanship, we're God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So God's works should be a part of our lives. His good works should be a part of our lives. And the good, the word good refers to God's works, not our works, not my works, not your works, not what you want to do. So my life is to be filled with doing God's works, good works that he prepared for us to do. I want to clarify this a little bit, because sometimes when we talk about good, or if I say something where we can't do any good without Jesus, people can take that out of context. When I'm talking about good, there's a lot of people in the world apart from Christ that are doing good things. They raise money for charities, they're, they're giving to the poor, and they're helping all kinds of people, right? A lot of those things can happen to help people. But, what I, but, but when they do that, they get all the recognition for what they're doing, get all the, the fame and all the glory goes to them because they did it, right? But when I'm talking about a Christian, when we do good works, I'm not doing it in my strength. I'm not doing it in my power. I'm doing it in God's power and God's strength. And I'm doing the works that God has called me to do. And when I'm finished doing them, as I'm doing them, God gets all the credit. God gets all the glory. God gets all the fame. He gets all the recognition, right? I'm here to glorify him. And so when we do it that way, that glorifies God. All those other works, good works apart from Christ, they don't bring God glory because they bring the person doing it glory. God has called us to do good works that bring him glory, so we do it in his strength and his power. And anytime we're doing it in his strength and his power, for his glory and not mine, those are the good works that God has called us to do. So God has called us, each one of us, to do good works. It's always been God's purpose for his people to be righteous and holy as a testimony to his own righteousness and holiness to the unbelieving world. 
It's a real good thing that God wants us to yield ourselves wholly to him. The Bible says holy to him. Such a surrender is only reasonable response to God's grace and his mercy and his love that he wants us to give to him. So God wants what's best for him, what, what's best for us. He wants what's best. And his purpose and his will is what's best for us. And so many times we think, no, I know what's best for me. And maybe you think, I, you know what's best for you. We only know what we think is best for us. But we only see what's right here. God sees the whole picture, past, present, and future. And God says, the only one that can truly know what's best for you is God, right? And each one of us are created by God. And God has created us for a unique design. He created us for unique, his unique purpose and will in his way for our lives. So when we're doing God's will, his purpose and will, that's what we were created to do. And that's where we're going to find the most joy and significance in our life. If I'm trying to live my life apart from Christ, doing my will, what I desire to do, I'm missing what I was created for. I'm missing the purpose of what I was created for. And I'm doing my own thing apart from Christ. It will never fill me. It will never give me the inner joy or significance in my life. It's always, I will always feel like I'm missing something. When I'm doing it for God's will, His joy, that's the purpose that I was created for. And that's what Christmas is really all about. For us to understand that Jesus came to show us who God is, to do his will. And then he went on the cross and he died for our sins. So we might know him. So we might belong to him. So today we celebrate Christmas to remind us of his coming, right? One of the great passages that help us to remind us of his coming is in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7 where it says this. It's talking about Jesus. And you know the passage. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and, this, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Those are the names of Jesus he was given. Hundreds of years before he became to this earth. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, Establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. We celebrate this morning God's Son, Jesus, coming to this earth as a baby. But to grow up, to teach us how to love and to live. And then he went to the cross and he died on the cross for our sins, that we might have forgiveness of sins and, and, and eternal life with him forever, right? That's what he wanted. That's what he wants. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7 is really significant, but it tells us this same Jesus who came as a baby will come again, but not as a baby in humility. The next time he comes, he's going to come in as a king in power, in strength, and in honor, and he will set up his kingdom, and he will reign forever and ever, and all who know Jesus will reign with him. That's our hope that we will be with him, we'll reign. That's what Christmas is all about. That's the full Christmas story that Jesus came to die so that we might live with him forever in his kingdom. That's the Christmas story. That's what it's all about. It's just not a little baby being born in a manger, but he came to die so that we might live with him in his kingdom forever and ever and ever. That's what Jesus wanted to accomplish. He wanted us to be with him forever. And if you are here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, yet. If you've never put your faith and trust in him, if you don't know for sure that you're going to heaven, if you were to die today, what greater day to put your faith and trust in Jesus than Christmas Day, right? You need to understand that God sent the greatest gift that's ever been given. It's his son, Jesus, right? He came to this world 
uh, came from heaven, who is God. He came and took on the form of a human being, a human being. And he became the fully God and fully man. And then when he grew up, he went to the cross, and God placed all of our sins, your sins, my sins, sins of the whole world upon Jesus. And Jesus paid the complete total price for your sins upon the cross. He took your place upon that cross and paid for your sins. So, and then he was buried, the Bible says, and he was raised on the third day. So now you and I can approach a holy, just, righteous, perfect God, but we have to come the way he's provided. He's only provided one way. It's through Jesus. And what we have to do is put our faith and trust in Jesus, accept the finished work that Christ did for us. The Bible said it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And if you are here today, uh, hopefully you realize you're sinners. We're all sinners. I'm a sinner, saved by the grace of God. We're all sinners in desperate need of a Savior, right? And Jesus provided that way to heaven. So what we have to do is just come and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. And in the Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin. And today I put my faith and my trust in Jesus. If you've never done that, it's simply by just praying and receiving Jesus Christ your Savior. Please do that today. Please accept him as your Savior. If you have questions about that, please come and see me after the service. This is what Christmas is all about. Don't miss that. The primary reason Jesus came was to redeem us, to save us, to die for our sins. Don't miss that. For all of us who know Jesus, all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, praise God for that, right? Praise God. Let's celebrate Jesus. Let's celebrate his first coming. That's what this day is all about. But let's look forward to his second coming. That's the full story of Christmas. We celebrate his first coming, but we look forward to to the second coming. And hopefully you're ready for the second coming. And being ready, how to be ready for the second coming? Accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Be a part of His family. That's why He came, so you could belong to Him. So you could belong to His family. He wants you to be with Him forever and ever in His kingdom. And His kingdom is much, much greater than this earth will ever be. That's what He wants. So if you haven't put your faith and trust in Him, put it today. Let's, let's pray. Let's continue to worship Him. Lord, we come and we praise you. We thank you so much of your goodness. We thank you so much of your love. We thank you so much of today, Lord. I pray and I thank you so much for all those that are here today to worship and realize that Christmas isn't all about the decorations and presents. Those are all good. Family visiting, and that's wonderful and amazing. But the main focus of Christmas is that God's Son entered into this world and came in humility as a baby. But not to stay as a baby, but to grow up and went to the cross to die on the cross for our sins. That's the whole reason he came to this earth. And the Lord, if we miss that reason, if we miss that purpose, we miss the whole reason of Jesus Christmas. We miss the whole reason for it. Lord, let us understand the reason. Let us understand the meaning of Christmas. But more, more, more than that, Lord, let us put our faith and trust. Let us believe in it. Let's trust that free gift that God gave us, Jesus, as our Savior. I pray for each person here, Lord, and everyone that's going to be listening. Lord, they would come to understand we're all sinners in need of a Savior. And they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sin. I pray for their souls. And it simply is just understanding who Jesus is, that he's the Son of God, that he's God, and what he did, that he died on the cross for their sins. And today they accept that free gift that Jesus did by dying on the cross for their sins by faith. So I pray for them. I pray for all of us who know Jesus Christ as their Savior. I pray, Lord, that we celebrate today the first coming of Jesus. What a glorious coming. It came in humility. But, Lord, we look forward to that second coming where you're going to come in all your glory and your strength and your power and you set up your kingdom. But, Lord, we're going to be with you. We're going to be with you to reign with you. And, Lord, we look forward to that. 
And I pray, Lord, that we live that way each and every day. We celebrate the first coming. We do that every Sunday morning. But, Lord, we, we look forward to the second one. We look forward to you coming back one day. Lord, we praise you and thank you as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior. We lift up our hearts and minds, Lord. Lord, we, we come here to worship you. I pray for your blessings on each person, Lord. Help us we continue to worship you, focus upon you, the reason for Christmas. And Lord, we ask this in that most precious name, in the name of Jesus, amen.